Today's sociology lesson is about theoretical perspectives, but, but what are those? So every kind of study, every, they call them academic disciplines, have a few underlying assumptions, things that you stand up, you say, this is what I'm going to assume so I can make other deductions from it. Math, for example, has what they call the parallel postulate, that two parallel lines never cross. If you don't accept that, then all of geometry is crap. So, so there's certain things that you accept, certain ways of seeing the world or seeing your, your study. And that's what the theoretical perspective is, it, one way of seeing the thing. Now, note that in social sciences, uh, there tend to be conflicting theories at once. And that's because they explain different sides of the same problem. So it's not that one is right and one is wrong so much as one explains half of it, the other explains half of this. I mean, think about it. The, the human brain is the most complicated thing in the universe. And so you put a whole bunch of human brains together, it's going to be a complicated process to explain it. Hey, so we're going to talk about three of these. We're going to start with functionalism. Okay, so the basics of functionalism. Uh, functionalism is, uh, they focus on how each part of society serves certain essential functions. So uh, family, for example, helps teach the new members of society. That's one of their functions, is to raise children to know how to act and what to do. Uh, schools serve much the same function. It's to prepare people for the future. Now, um, there's two types of functions in functionalism. The first is manifest functions. So these are intentional. These are things that the group does on purpose. So school, for example, its manifest function is to educate young people and to teach them to be competent adults. Uh, it also has latent functions. A latent function is unintentional. So the group does this as a side effect to whatever else the group is doing. So one thing for schools we learned with COVID is that for little kids, schools provide essential babysitting services. Uh, for uh, a lot of people, uh, schools provide meals and some kids went hungry. And another latent function for schools, they found that child abuse actually went up while kids were home, which was unfortunate. Um, that Those are unintentional functions. The schools don't exist to provide people food or babysitting or prevent child abuse, but those latent functions are still things, functions that the school provides. Now, most things in society also have negative uh, consequences. They call these dysfunctions. Uh, for example, um, the Department of Motor Vehicles is one thing within our society. It's necessary. Without it, we could not we couldn't function, but people there tend to be, they have a reputation for being a little too negative. Or the people you call on the phone, a lot of times they're negative, uh, like if you're calling customer service, although it strikes me you probably don't have that experience. <laughs> so the, those are dysfunctions, things that they intend to do that they don't do. Uh, a, a dysfunction of the school system would be increasing stress 
in adolescence. A, a lot of uh, young people feel a great deal of stress because of school. So while it serves a lot of good functions, it also has a few dysfunctions built in. Hey, so that is the functionalism perspective. What is the function of things? The second perspective is the conflict perspective. This emphasizes conflict, competition, change, constraint within society. So unlike functionalism, these guys don't really look at the good results. They see the places where society fights and argues and conflicts. Um, they often see these conflicts in terms of power. So power to a social scientist is the ability to get others to do what you want them to do. Once again, power is the ability to convince others to do what you want them to do. Um, to a conflict perspective person then, conflict comes because either somebody wants more power or somebody wants to limit someone else's power over them. And so the conflict perspective people, they see these arguments, those stresses and pressures within societies. Hey, the last group is kind of the most complicated. It's called symbolic interactionism. You may need to pause more often in this one than you did in the other to make sure you can write down what you need. Okay, so while the first two focused on huge social institutions, broad social processes, symbolic interactionism focuses on small social processes. It focuses on the interactions between individuals. Now for me to explain it, I'm going to have to start with the vocabulary word symbol. So you, you know what a symbol is, but we need to get this definition. It's something that represents something else. So I'll give you two examples. The flag in the corner of my classroom represents the United States. Uh, or here's example two. If you hold your thumb up, stick it out, you mean either I agree, yeah, good, thumbs up, or you could mean that you want a ride. It depends on the circumstances. So the symbol, sticking your thumb up, represents something else, what you need or what you want. Um, it's really important that you remember that symbols don't have meaning in and of themselves. Putting your thumb up is just putting your thumb up. The meaning is assigned by society. We've agreed. We didn't have a big meeting, but over time it's come to mean, yes, I agree, or I like that. Um, we have to agree on these symbols. If half of society suddenly decided that green means stop and red means go, we would have some problems. Okay, so symbolic interactionism focuses on the interaction among people, and that interaction is based on symbols that everybody understands and kind of agrees mean these things. Okay, now there's a few key elements of symbolic interactionism. First, you have to learn the symbol. And a lot of times this happens the hard way. A good example of this would be uh, whistling after a performance. In the U.S., if people whistle after a performance, they mean, that was awesome, I really, really liked it. But in most of Latin America, whistling after a performance is the equivalent of shouting, boo, boo. So you're an American band, you learn the symbol by going playing in Latin America and discovering that they hate you. Second, we start to base our interactions on these symbols. So once we've learned the symbols, now, now these musicians who go to Latin America, they know that whistling is bad. So when they hear the whistling, they don't come out for an encore. They don't bow quite as much. They just maybe go to their dressing rooms and cry. I don't know. 
So that's the second thing. So first we learn it. Second, we start to base our interactions on the symbols. Third, we start to use the symbols to imagine how others will respond to our behavior. It's really important we do this before we perform the action. We sit and think, wait a minute, are they going to boo me? Think of social media. A lot of people wait and think, now, are they going to thumbs up this? Are they going to like this? And so that, that matters. Um, the thing is, not only do we start to think of our behavior and plan our behavior in terms of these symbols, but so does everyone else, unless they have a major psychological disorder. They start to think about how, um, what interactions will they have based on these symbols. That's why they call it symbolic interactionism, because we interact based on the symbols that we share. Hey, now last thing for this is this thing called dramaturgy. A sociologist named Irvin Goffman back in the 60s um, came up with this idea. And his idea is that people present themselves in the way that they want to be seen. It, people are like actors, right? Drama. We present ourselves. We act a certain ways. But we act the ways, even in our normal lives, that we want other people to perceive us. Now, how do we do that? By the way we dress by the gestures we use, by the tone of voice that we use. We want other people to see us certain ways, and so we act certain ways. Now, all of us do it, so think about how do you present yourself. You wear certain clothes so that your friends will spot you. It's kind of an interesting thing to ponder.